So let's go to the other element of constitutionalism, which is the enforcement of human rights. Now, human rights are defined in two senses. One, entitlements provided by the law, which the court will enforce. Okay, we must make sure that we use the word entitlement and the court will enforce. Don't use the word right in defining human rights. So the first definition, entitlements provided by the law, which the court will enforce. Then the second definition is entitlements due human beings by virtue of their humanity. Entitlements due human beings by virtue of their humanity. So just by virtue of you being human, you have certain rights and they must not be enshrined in law. Okay, and this is in section 33.5 of the 1992 constitution. Just by virtue of being human, you must uh, necessarily be uh, entitled to certain rights. All right. Now, there are classifications of human rights. Uh, there are three different classifications. One is negative and or positive human rights. Negative or positive. So when it's negative, the government does not act to restrict such a thing. But when it is positive, the, government's ma- the government must act to provide such a thing. Do you understand? So negative, government do not act. So speech, do not act to impede the freedom of speech right freedom of movement do not act to impede that but positive then that means that governments must government must act to provide food housing education health right then there's civil or political and socio-economic civil or political is the same as the negative civil or political is the same as the negative so speech is civil Movement is civil, political, right? So socioeconomic, we have the is the same as the positive, which is food, housing, education, health, right? Then the last classification is first generational, second generational, or third generational. The first generational is the same as the negative. Second generational is the same as the positive. Now, what is the third generational? The third generational is two right to development and rights to a healthy environment that is it so those are the classification of uh, human rights now classification of human uh, 1992 constitution and the human right what does it say we find the fundamental human right enshrined in the 1992 at chapter 5 and it deals with negative rights rights that governments must not act to impede free freedom of movement and speech right chapter 5 in the 1992 constitution then there's a second um provision which is in chapter 6 chapter 6 the title is directive principles of state policy the directive principles of state policy are positive rights rights to food housing education health those are positive rights. So in 1992 Constitution, there are two, chapter 5 and chapter 6. Okay, chapter 5 is negative, chapter 6 is positive. Right. Now, the, the justiciable debates, okay, on human rights or the rights of a, 
person in the country of a citizen are in three cases MPP versus AG, the 31st December case, then MPP versus AG again, the SIBA case, the Ghana National Lotteries case. All right, good. Now, in the 31st December case, Chapter 6, the directive principles of state policy are said to be justiciable. All right, we're said to be justiciable. Then, MPP versus AG again, the SIBA case. Bamford Addo said they were on the directive principles of state policy are only justiciable until they are linked with other principles in chapter 5. You get the, the thing. 31st December case, which is MPP versus AG, 31st December case, they said chapter 6, directive principles of state policy are justiciable. They can be enforced. The human rights enshrined over there can be enforced. All right. Then in another case, MPP versus AG, the SIBA case, Bamford Addo said they are not justiciable. The directive principles of state policy are not justiciable until they are linked with other principles in Chapter 5, other human rights principles in Chapter 5. Then in Ghana Lottery's case, they said that the directive principles of state policy are justiciable. So in the end, we find that Ghana. Uh, the directed principles of state policy are justiciable okay so there i told you that there's an indirect window the indirect window of human rights which is the rights that are enshrined as just because you are you are a human being and they are inherent in a democracy they don't even have to be provided it's in chapter 33 5 chapter 33 5 let me quickly read it chapter 33 5 says that the rights duties declarations and guarantees relating to the fundamental human rights and freedoms specifically mentioned in this chapter shall not be regarded as excluding others not specifically mentioned which are considered to be inherent in a democracy and intended to secure the freedom and dignity of a man of man you get it so inherent in the democracy and in the democracy ensures the the dignity of humankind now in africa the human rights system how does it look like we base our human rights system on the african charter on human and people's rights right the african charter on human and people's rights which are also called the banjo rights in the 1960s, at uh, the Congress of African Jurists in Lagos, they adopted the law of Lagos. Okay, uh, this is because the OAU at the time, the Organization of African Union, which became the AU, lacked provisions on human rights. Okay, then there was another conference in 1967 of Francophone African Jurists in Dakar, Senegal. So the 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 Anglophones had their own in Lagos, and then the Francophones in, in that's in the 1960s, then early 1960, then the, the Francophones had their own in 1967 in Senegal. Then in 1979, there was the Monrovia one, where they, they asked the Secretary General of the AAU to draft the Constitution on Human Rights. So there were a lot of, uh, there were uh, um, Congresses 
uh, English one, the Francophone one. Then in 1979 in Liberia, they asked that the Secretary General of the OAU drafts the constitution. Then in 1979, that same uh, uh, Congress, they said that because the, the President Sango gave an opening address that inspired the work of the expert committee. So in that 1979 conference in Dakar of 20 African experts, and that conference itself was even presided over by Judge Kiba Imbayo, Judge Kiba Imbayo. And when they were about to start the conference, the president Sango of Senegal then said in his opening address, he talked about human rights. And so it inspired the committee over there to start drawing up a constitution on human rights for the AU. Uh, so it was drawn out, and he says that it should draw inspiration from African values and tradition. That's what President Sango said, that the, the human rights should draw inspiration from African values and tradition. In 1999, all the, the member states ratified the charter to have the African Charter on Human Rights and People's Human and People's Rights. African Charter on Human and People's Rights. Now the features of the, the, the Charter, indivisibility of all the rights. Okay, socioeconomic rights are justiciable. The indivisibility, so all the rights cannot be divided. They are they stand on their own. Recognition of rights to development free disposal of natural resources and self-determination so they recognize the rights for to develop by themselves uh, african countries and people to develop by themselves free disposal of natural resources where ghana is still lacking because our 1992 constitution says that all the uh, the natural resources are vested in the president and self-determination right um, then another feature of the charter was that no derogations were allowed. Then there were imposition of duties on both states and individuals. The charter made sure that both states and individuals were duty bound. The composition of that charter was the member states okay, of the OAU at the time. Uh, but. Uh, they had a fair gender representation at that time. Made sure that all the member states brought enough women and stuff. Now, how did they communicate this uh, charter for to enable compliance by member states? They had the interstate communication. The, every state will communicate to this state about how they wanted how uh, the, the, uh, the, the charter was promulgated in their country, how it was ratified, and so it was sent to each member state. The individual or NGO communication, the individual sends or non-governmental agencies communicated throughout Africa. Now, uh, the communication can only be brought on a country that has ratified. Okay, so you, Ghana can serve to go that, oh, okay, this is our African charter, on human and people's rights, the Ghana ratified version, and but you can only serve it to a country that has also ratified it. Okay. Uh, so how do we admissibility criteria? Uh, how do we uh, add, uh, 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 how the communication that will send to 
all those the NGOs, individuals, interstate communication. How was it admissible? Okay, the communication must indicate the others. How would they, the country, if they, they are supposed to accept it, what are the criteria for them to accept it? The, that communication of the, the rights must, must indicate the others. Then it must be compatible with the AU constitution and the African charter itself. All right. Then the communication must not be insulting or disparaging. The communication must be based exclusive must not be based exclusively on media reports. Then domestic remedies must be exhausted, or if unless they are due unduly prolonged before they can admit that communication of human rights, that uh, domestic remedies like the courts and stuff have tried to uh, remedy the the breach of the human right and it is not working so then you can send it to another country then communication must be submitted within a reasonable time of the infraction of the human rights then issues raised in the communication must not be uh, settled must not have been settled under another un or au proceeding so if the issue has been settled already by un united nations or the au then you must not bring it up again for uh, resolution. So maybe a citizen of Ghana went to Togo and the human rights were, um, were infringed upon. Now we send a communication to Togo and say that you, you have done this according to this and this and this and that. Uh, they are saying that uh, if already the UN has promulgated uh, the the or the au has sat on that case already you don't have to send another communication to the that country that has breached the rights okay so exception to exhaust local remedies and we are we said that for admiss the admissibility criteria one of the 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 criteria is that the domestic remedies must be exhausted all right but there are exceptions if we have purpose, then they must not necessarily exhaust the local remedies because maybe the, the local remedies are too expensive. If there are serious or massive violations also, local remedies are not usually exhausted before you can send it to other countries uh, or to the AU itself. You, you must um, the violations on human rights must be serious and massive. Then if domestic le uh, legislation courts, the duration, the duration of the national courts, um, what am I saying? If domestic legislation outs the jurisdiction of national courts, okay? So if um, the courts in the, the domestic courts cannot, don't have, do not have jurisdiction to try that case, then you can bring it to you can communicate it to the AU. If rights claimed are not guaranteed by domestic laws, so there's infringement of your citizens' rights and then the laws of that country do not stipulate that this right is uh, something that you are entitled to, you can send it. It will be physically dangerous for com uh, com the complainant to return to the erring state in order to exhaust local remedy. So if you have somebody that is being chased out of the country because of something he has done and he feels like his human rights are being uh, trampled upon and if he comes back to the country for local remedy, 
he will be killed or something then uh, you can you can you know communicate to the au and there are two cases under this one the ogoni case the ogoni case the ogoni people where in the niger delta uh, where the shell um, corporation mines oil and the infringement of the people's rights as to environmental degradation the poverty over there and stuff like that then the endura case uh, which is uh, the case of the lands around lake bulgaria in kenya i think we should all read that case we'll do the cases later okay so these are this the parts of constitutionalism that talks about enforcement of human rights right so let's go to another element of constitutionalism which is judicial review okay judicial review is the, review is the power conferred on the judiciary to review or to police or to determine the constitutionality or legality of the actions of other sister organizations or organs of the government so in article 130 and article 2 uh, well article 130 the power of the judiciary to review uh, the, the interpretations of the constitution or to limit the powers of other organs of government so uh, if uh, the the president does something the, you can send it to court for interpretation to see whether or not what he has done is ultra virus or it is contrary to some law right that is judicial the power of judicial review or we can say that laws in parliament have be, have been passed and uh, you the judiciary can interpret those laws now there are two forms of judicial review there's a priori review a priori review which is done before a law is enacted and it involves giving opinions on laws that are going to be passed in parliament but we don't do this in ghana a priori uh, review is abstract uh, so before the law is passed then the going the judges give opinions about those bills in parliament and we don't do that a priori then we have a posteriori a posteriori review which is a concrete review uh, so after the enactment of the law then and the, the the court determines the legality of that law and ghana practices uh, practices this uh, this form of review now there's a traditional mode also where we have the constitutional review where we have the determining the compatibility and validity of administrative executive and legislative act including the primary legislation in the light of a written constitution all right so constitutional review we administration of the country executive and the parliament their act whether it's uh, in light with is in line with constitutional provisions okay and when somebody then the traditional motor also another one is that somebody is acting ultra virus outside of the confines of the powers that we conferred on them then we um, we sort of do the judiciary does the review okay so the constitution and judicial review constitution article 2 and article 130 article 2 it says that a person who alleges that an enactment or anything contained in or done under the authority of that or other enactment or 
any act or omission of any person is inconsistent with or is in contravention of a provision of this constitution may bring an action in the supreme court for a declaration to that effect all right or may bring an action in the supreme court for a declaration in that effect so and then article 130 says that subject to the jurisdiction of the high court in the enforcement of the fundamental human rights and provisions as provided in article 33 of this constitution the supreme court shall have exclusive jurisdiction in all matters relating to the enforcement or interpretation of this constitution and b all matters arising as to whether an enactment was made in excess of the powers conferred on parliament or any other authority or person by law under this constitution so 130b talks about the the, the constitutional uh, review right constitutional review determining whether uh, parliament and uh, other executive bodies have acted outside of or in excess of the powers uh, that's ultra virus in excess of the powers given them. So 130B is ultra virus review, ultra virus review, 130B ultra virus review. All matters arising as to whether an enactment was made in excess of the powers conferred on parliament or any other authority or person by law or, or under this constitution. That is. So when you talk about the constitution and judicial review, you find the provisions in Article 2 and Article 130. Now, supremacy of the constitution and 